Welcome to the Hope Elam Podcast. We are a diverse church in the heart of Des Moines, seeking to bring God's kingdom as we live more like Jesus. We hope that what you're about to hear points you to Jesus Christ. Know that we're praying for you and look forward to connecting with you soon. It is so good to see you. Can we give God praise for our worship team one more time? Praise God. Amen. I love singing that glory, glory, glory. Everybody say glory. Glory. That's what we celebrate this time of year. It's so good to be with you this morning. My name's John, one of the pastors here. And whether you're here in the room or our online worshiping family, it's so good to have you here as well. Sometimes we forget that there's hundreds of people behind that camera as well. So just a special greeting to, the, to you if you're worshiping online at home. You may not realize that, but hundreds of people worship with us, not only from all over the metro area, but from all over the state and sometimes all over the country as well. And the reason that we do that is that we want God's word to get to as many people as possible because God's word changes lives. Jesus Christ changes lives, amen? So that's why we do what we do. So hello to all of you that are worshiping with us uh, today. Just a show of hands, uh, just kind of start out casual this morning just to kind of get your, your mind thinking a little bit. How many of you are, uh, were ready for winter this last week when that kind of hit? How many of you were just ready for winter to hit? Three of you, awesome. Um, we do live in Iowa, by the way, and I don't know why I do this every year, but I just wait and I procrastinate getting my snowblower uh, ready. So I decided to wait until the middle of December to go out and see, oh, I wonder if my snowblower works. My snowblower works 37.5% of the time. I don't know about you, if anybody else has those issues. Of course it didn't work, right? I, I don't know if I'm ready for winter or not, but I want to follow up with the second question that is even more important. How many of you are ready for Christmas? How many of you are ready for Christmas? Amen? Yeah, absolutely. And there's a couple different ways of answering that question. One is, do you have your list done? Another way of answering that question, is your heart ready? Is your heart ready? That's why we're going through the season of Advent. That's why we're counting down the Sundays. Now all four candles lit around that one center candle. The center of our lives, the center of this church, the center of the Christmas story, Jesus himself, as we eagerly await to light that candle this week as we celebrate the birth of Jesus. Are you ready for Christmas? And I know that for some of you, you're like, yeah, I can't wait. I love Christmas. I had my tree up in October. Yeah, I'm re- ready to go. I have a feeling that for some of you, though, that may not be the case. And because we like to keep it real, do we like to keep it real at Hope Elam? We like to keep it real. We like to keep, I just want to talk straight for a minute this morning. For some of you, that is not the case. It is not the most wonderful time of the year. I've talked to a few of you just over the last couple weeks, and there seems to be this reoccurring theme in some of those conversations. One person said, I just can't wait for Christmas to be over. It's not the Grinch. It's not Bah Humbug. It's life. Amen? I can't wait for Christmas to be over. Another person said, I just can't wait to get through the holidays. I'm just trying to survive the holidays. So I just want to start off by saying this morning, if that's you, we can sing and we can clap and we can dance, but I just want to remind you that Hope Elam is a church where it's okay to not be okay. It's okay to come in and bring whatever you have and you can take off that mask. And if you're hurting this morning, 
If you're in pain, if you're grieving because this is going to be the first Christmas without a loved one, if you're, if you're hurting, if you're struggling, I just want you to know that we see you, we hear you, and more importantly, your God sees you. He knows you, and he loves you. And you can come here this morning just as you are and not as you should be. And I just want to say this morning, if you're hurting, if you're struggling, have the courage to reach out and ask for help. You don't have to just survive the holidays. You don't have to just get through to reach out and ask for help. I've said it once and I'll say it again. If you are struggling with anxiety, if you or someone you know are struggling with depression, you are not a less than Christian. You are not a failure. You are a follower of Jesus Christ who is an unbroken, imperfect person. Amen? And you are welcome here. You are welcome here. In fact, it's our faith that actually enables us to be honest about our grief and our anxiety and our depression and our pain because we have a God who meets us right in the middle of it. Amen? And so I know I've shown you this list before, but I thought this would be a very important time as we head into the holidays to just remind you, we love you and we want you to to be cared for. We want you to take care of yourself. So what are some of the ways that we can do that? If you're struggling with mental health, If you're struggling with your physical health, if you're struggling with your spiritual health, all these things are helpful because God made us one whole complete person. Take care of yourself. Eat right. Exercise. Get the proper amount of sleep. Embrace community. Do you know that there are multiple studies that have been done that that one of the most healthy things that you can do is have positive, positive faith-based relationships in your life? Do people know you? Do they know your story? Amen? Find community. We have care and prayer teams here at the church that are ready and willing to reach out uh, if you need help. We have a hope-wide emergency line, 24-7, that you can call, and you're going to reach a pastor every single time. There's support groups here at the church for whatever you're going through. Can we be a church that makes Christian counseling normative, that there's not something wrong with you, but it's for all of us? Amen? Can we be that kind of a church? If you need help, I would just love it if in our conversations, oh yeah, I went and saw my counselor last week. And instead of saying, oh, really? What if we said, praise God, that's a mature move. That's a spiritually mature thing to do. That takes courage. Do you know that it takes more courage to reach out for help than the courage to stuff it? And some of you think, I gotta be tough. I gotta be strong. I can't admit that there's something wrong with me. And so I gotta stuff my pain this time of year. I gotta stuff my anxiety and depression. It takes more courage to reach out and ask for help, and we want you to know that we're here for you. If it's reached that point where you're thinking, I have nowhere else to turn, please reach out. Tell somebody. I don't have to point you to the countless stories in the news of people that have a perfect family, a perfect job, a perfect life, as the world standards would say it, and they've got a smile on their face, and inside they are crumbling. And if you are one of those people, it is okay to not be okay, and let's normatize not being okay and coming together. Amen? Reach out for help. Reach out for help. I love the Christmas story because right in the middle of the Christmas story is this truth that we have a God that comes to us. We looked at this passage a couple weeks ago. If you go to the next slide to John chapter 1. Let's read this nice and loud together. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Find a good faith-based counselor. But more than that, do you know that you have a Savior this morning that is full of unfailing love? Not judgment, not condemnation, 
Not get your life put together, not figure it out, not you're a Christian and you're struggling in your marriage. Big shock. We have a God that comes to us. And Jesus answers the question on Christmas once and for all. Where is God in the middle of the mess of our lives? Right in the middle of it. Amen? He is acquainted with your pain. He is acquainted with your suffering. He's walked in your shoes. You don't have to do it alone. And I just want to say today, whatever you need, he's got. Amen? Whatever you need, he's got. If you're looking for some hope today, if you're looking for some peace, if you're looking for some healing, if you're looking for some freedom, if you're looking for some joy, he's got it. And it is readily available for you today. Amen? So receive it. Open up your heart today. I don't want you to miss the power of the Christmas story. There is so much here today. Last week we focused on the person of Mary and that character in the Christmas story. We're kind of taking our jet tour through the royal family. Not from Great Britain, the real royal family, okay? So Mary and Joseph today. We turn our focus to Joseph, and I believe what we're going to find in this story is that not only for Joseph, but for every single one of us, when we look back in our story, we are reminded of who we are. When we look back in our story, as imperfect as it might be, we remember who we are. If you have your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. Some of you are like, are you sure? Not Matthew 2? No, Matthew chapter 1. Yes, we're going to go through that long, obscure list of names. You better believe it. Matthew chapter 1. So get in the habit of bringing your Bible, your phone with your Bible app to worship. If you like most people, you know Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 is what we read from as you're maybe sitting around your Christmas tree as a family and you say, before we open gifts, we're going to read the Christmas story. Might be a good habit to get into. Matthew chapter 2 tells the story of Jesus' birth, tells the story of the shepherds, tells the story of the wise men. But before that is Matthew chapter 1. And you might, what does this long list of obscure and hard to pronounce names have to do with anything? I think what we're going to find today is that Matthew chapter 2 told us what happens on Christmas. Matthew chapter 1 tells us why it matters. Don't skip over Matthew chapter 1 because there's so much here that's going to bring so much power to the Christmas story. And it starts with this. Right away, Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right. It says this. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah. So this is Jesus' family tree we're looking at. The son of David, the son of Abraham. What? So right away, we know that Jesus' birth in the Christmas story is not some once-a-year isolated event, but is wrapped up in a much larger story. If you skip over Matthew chapter 1 and go right to Matthew chapter 2, you're going to miss some of the punch and the power of the story. What do we know is that a long, long time ago, it's chronicled in Genesis chapter 12, there was a man named Abram. And then he got his name changed to Abraham. God calls Abraham to leave everything behind. And to go into the unknown. But before he does that, God says, Abraham, you are going to be the father of many nations. You are going to be the father of a really large family. And out of this family, my people, Israel, the Jewish nation, is going to come a Messiah. Out of this genealogy, essentially, is Jesus' family tree. Now, why does the genealogy matter? Why do we have to go through all this list of names? 
Well, culturally, historically, what they would use genealogies for is they couldn't prick your finger and do a DNA test or something like that. So they had these written down by scribes, by lawyers, and they would write down these genealogies. And normally they were used to dispute a a property claim or a land claim or something like that. Even bigger than that, who gets the inheritance? Are you really who you say you are? Are you the firstborn son? Are you the rightful heir to, to get your father's blessings? Remember the prodigal son story? I want my inheritance now. How do we know that you are who you say you are? And so one of the powers of Matthew chapter 1 is Matthew is telling us that beyond a shadow of a doubt, Jesus is who he says he is. Don't miss that. And here's the amazing thing. This is really, really cool, okay? If you kind of geek out on this stuff a little bit. Matthew chapter 1 is giving us the human genealogy of Jesus. If you go back to John 1 that we just read, right? In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, John is choosing to focus on the heavenly or the divine family tree of Jesus essentially. So John is saying Jesus is fully God. The gospel of Matthew is saying Jesus is fully human. That's where that trinity, that that theology comes from is that Jesus is fully divine and yet fully human. And so rather than a list of hard to read names, some of you are looking at Matthew 1 right now saying, I don't even know how to pronounce some of these names. This is just a bunch of mumble-jumble, right? In the first 17 verses, we get 46 characters' names whose life spans 2,000 years. Think how incredible that is. And there's a few things that I want you to know about Jesus' family tree. Number one, Jesus' family tree is full of broken, imperfect, messed-up people. If you thought there's, oh, this perfect bloodline, and everybody in Jesus' family was just like you know, church material. There's a whole lot of people that came to Jesus' earthly family reunion that would not fit well in a church. Like, you kind of look at them and go like, do you belong here? Are you sure? Tamar and Rahab were ladies of the evening. They're listed right there in Jesus' family tree. David was a, you know, David was a liar and, well, a murderer. Multiple, multiple, multiple men listed there were terrible, ruthless, evil kings. And yet they are listed in Jesus' family tree. And there's two ways of looking at that. Number one, wow, the Old Testament is a disaster. Or number two, Matthew is trying to get your attention right away. Don't skip Matthew chapter one because it is a testament of the power of God to accomplish his plan no matter what. Amen? There is no sin. There is no failure. There is no king or earthly ruler or president or law or government that has the ability to get in the way of the plan of God. Amen? That's what Matthew chapter 1 is saying. There are a lot of biblical heroes on that list, but don't miss it beyond the shadow of a doubt. The hero of all heroes of the Christmas story is the God that is behind the scenes weaving this thread through all these broken and perfect men and women and their lives to bring about a baby in a manger. God is the hero of the Christmas story. Don't miss it. And when we look back, we remember who we are. And if God can weave 46 different broken and perfect characters over 2,000 years, what is it that he can't do in your life today again? Oh, I got this thing coming up at work. God says, I know. Oh, I'm, I'm depressed and I have anxiety. God says, I know. I've got you. 
I'm having struggles in my marriage. I don't know how I'm going to make next month's budget. I I got you. Sometimes we need some bigger perspective. That's why we worship, is to get perspective that life is not about you. Turn to your neighbor right now with all the love in your heart and say, it's not about you. Tell them that right now. It's not about you. It's not about you. Some of you that are sitting with your spouse are like, thank you. And waiting for that moment, right? Number one, Jesus' genealogy is made up of broken, imperfect, messed up people just like every single one of us. Amen? Number two, Jesus' family is made up of men and women who took a step of faith into the unknown. Abraham left, went into the unknown when, 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 when when yet nothing was promised to him. David, despite his flaws, was a great king and demonstrated humility and repentance. Get this, Josiah that's listed there became king at age eight. How many of you have an eight-year-old? Are they ready to be king? That shows the power of God right there, right? An eight-year-old, God can work through anyone, right? Rahab, yes. Sweet lady Rahab helped conquer Jericho. You ever wonder if Joseph looked at his family tree and realized, I come from a long line of men and women who trusted God to do the impossible? And I know some of you are maybe sitting there right now and like, I didn't get that from Matthew chapter 1. Wow, that's really good to know that context. If you're hungry for more, if you want to go deeper, if you love God's word, and even if you don't, but you know you need to grow in it, I got really good news for you. 2023 at Hope Elam is going to be a year of the Bible. And we are going to preach and teach and read through the entire Bible in 2023. Amen? So get excited for that. Get excited to go deeper in God's word if you're going to get excited about anything. We're going to have multiple groups and classes, and they're going to start right away in January. So you're going to want to come ready. Get yourself a good Bible. Get yourself a Bible app. We're going to get you on a Bible reading plan. Why is knowing this story so important? Because when we look back in our story, we remember who we are. There's a beautiful picture of this, and I know some of you are going to go, Pastor John, where are you going? I'm going to to track with you here. There's a beautiful picture of this in a film that came out several years ago. There are a lot of Robin Hood movies, but my favorite Robin Hood movie is the one with Russell Crowe. Some of you are thinking like, oh, you just like it because it's like a man movie, you know, like a macho man film. I cried four times in the theater next to my guy friends. They're like, what is wrong with you? It's Russell Crowe. There's nothing wrong with me. I'm identifying with him in an emotional way because he doesn't know who he is because he doesn't know who his father is. And what he's got to do is be taken by an older, wiser mentor, an older man, back into his story to remind him that when you go back and you look at the legacy from which you came from, you remember who you are. And so this older mentor is taking Robin back to tell him, this is who your father is. Take a look. I want you to hear the voice of your heavenly father saying that to you today. If you've fallen, if you feel like you're on the sideline, if you feel like you've messed up, that you're a failure, that you're out of it, hear the voice of your heavenly father say to you today, rise and rise again. Until lambs become lions, your earthly story, when you think about your story, you're like, I don't want to talk about my family tree. It's jacked up. You're in good company. So was Jesus's. Your earthly family tree might have been messed up, but you have a heavenly father that looks at you today 
every single one of you and says, I still use broken, imperfect people to do impossible things. Amen? Rise and rise again. For Robin, he discovered a legacy of courage that he could step into. And the same is true of Joseph. That brings us to our reading today. So if you're still in Matthew chapter 1, now we arrive at Joseph's story. Does he, is he going to remember who he is? We pick it up in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. So think about this for a second. Here's Joseph, who we know is trying to live a nice, quiet, normative life. I'm a carpenter. I got a good job. I'm living in a nice, quiet, obscure village town called Nazareth. And I'm, and I'm happy, I'm, I'm engaged, I worked it out with this teenage girl, Mary, maybe 14 or 15 year old at the time. That was normative for women to get married as, as a young adult. And now I'm, I'm, I'm engaged to her, our families have worked this out and everything is good. And we've got a great trajectory for my life. And now my teenage wife comes to me and says, yeah, so I'm pregnant. And you can only imagine what Joseph's first response is like, what would you say? And who's the father, right? And imagine she goes, the Holy Spirit? Like, how do you respond to that? If you can't remember the last time you wept or laughed out loud reading the Bible, you're probably reading the Bible incorrectly. Can I just say that? There are some extremely humorous moments in here just to think about how crazy this scenario is. The Holy Spirit got you pregnant? What is up with that? What is going on? And here's Joseph legally now. He's got two options. He can divorce her in a very public, shameful way. Or by the law, he is entitled to have her stoned to death because she committed adultery. Remember Jesus and the adulterous woman? All the religious leaders standing around with their stones. That could have happened to Mary, the mother of Jesus. By the law at the time. So Joseph has these options. Merry Christmas, by the way. That's the story. Turns out he chooses neither, as we read this in verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He said, I'll just take care of this quietly. I'll just divorce her and nobody will have to know. Well, the problem is God knows. Whenever you say something in your life, nobody will ever know. Nobody will ever find out. Oh, man, that's a slippery slope. Now you're getting into dangerous territory because there's always somebody that knows. And here's my question for you this morning as you just pause in Joseph's dilemma. You ever had a tough call to make? You ever been in a position where it just seems like you got a really, really tough decision and either way that I go, it doesn't seem like a win? Like I just don't, I'm in a tough spot. I'm between a rock and a hard place. What do you do when you've got a tough call to make? And I want you to notice this, for as amazing as Joseph was, faithful, man of integrity, Joseph said, I got two options, because I'm just looking at it from a human perspective. I can divorce her, or I can have her stoned to death. She's an adulterous woman. That's what she deserves. The problem is, he never checked with God, initially. When's the last time you had a tough decision to make, and you're like, I'm sure God doesn't care about this, so I'm just going to go on ahead. And you have the God of the universe, the wisest, smartest, most loving, faithful person at your disposal 24-7 who's sitting there going, have you thought about asking me? I'm the God of the impossible. 
Have you thought about asking me the next time you're in a tough spot? The next time you say, oh, I'm just, I'm just falling into temptation. I've got no other option. Everybody around me is doing it. Joseph almost did that. But thank God that the power of the Holy Spirit intervenes because we read this right away. This is the angel shows up to him in a dream and says, Joseph, son of David. Now, I don't want you to skip over that. What did we learn in Matthew chapter 1? When you know your story, you remember who you are. The angel doesn't say, hey, you. Hey, Jesus' future dad. What does he start with? Identity. Joseph, son of David. Do you remember that quick little scene in the Robin Hood clip I showed you where the dad and the son are putting their handprints next to each other? This is the angel, God through the angel saying, Joseph, put your little hand in the giant handprint of the thousands of men and women that have come before you that are radical followers of God. Put your little print in a much bigger print, to say, Joseph, I've got you. There's more than just two options here. There's a way out to trust me. The angel says, Joseph, you are not some just average, normal, ordinary carpenter from Nazareth. You are next in the long line of a list of radical God followers. And so the angel says to Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph, I know you can't see it right now, but I want you to know that I've got you, I've got Mary, and I've got this baby. You don't have to live in fear, Joseph. There's another option here. There's a bigger plan going on, and maybe you can't see it right now. And maybe Joseph needed to be reminded of this, and maybe you need to be reminded of this this morning. God's ability to provide doesn't depend on you understanding how. And some of us get stuck in that moment. Well, I can't see it, so it must not be possible. If that's the case, there's no Christmas. Amen? If if that's, if that's the case, if I have to understand it, then all of a sudden I've crafted God in my image rather than being made in his image. You don't have to understand it for God to be able to work through it. What would it look like for you to take a step of courage today? Just like Joseph, some of you have maybe forgotten who you are, that there is royal blood flowing through your veins because you are a son or daughter of the King of kings and Lord of lords. Remember who you are, amen? Joseph, remember who you are because it is possible. (laughs) Joseph could have settled and say, I'm not gonna do that. I'm I'm gonna stay engaged to a girl that's not a virgin anymore and take all that shame and disgrace from the culture upon me, but he didn't. Joseph could have settled for a safe version of Christianity and you can settle for one too. I'm just gonna come and I'm gonna go through the motions. I'm gonna worship when I can, when it works with my schedule, when I get around to it. I'm gonna pray some safe prayers. I'm just gonna keep my prayers safe. Not gonna really pray any big or, or bold prayers. You know, I'm gonna serve when I get around to it. I'm not really gonna do anything out of my comfort zone. Let me challenge you with something. When is the last time that you did something where you know it was impossible unless the Holy Spirit showed up? When, when's the last time you took a risk? And I'm not saying a, a silly risk, an unsafe risk. I'm asking you, when's the last time you took a risk for the kingdom of God? That's how you live out the Christmas story. Not by sitting sitting there and, and, and being passive. God says, I did not give you 46 examples of people that took a step of faith despite their flaws in Matthew chapter one and the whole genealogy. I didn't give you that list so you could say, I'm disqualified. 
I didn't give you that list so you could say, I'm gonna stay on the bench. I didn't give you that list for you to say, I'm down and out, I'm just gonna go through the motions. Your heavenly father says to you this morning, rise and rise again. Rise and rise again from the depths of wherever you are. Pick yourself up. Let him reach down and pick you up. Rise and rise again because I've called you to so much more. And I don't know what happened that night, Joseph, after the dream of how God was speaking to him, but I feel like somewhere along the line, since that angel showed up, Joseph remembered for 2,000 years, this is who God has been to my family. Faithful. Faithful. Over and over and over again, because we read in verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. The Bible doesn't tell us how long Joseph lived. And I'm always bummed about that because I would have loved to see Joseph as a grandpa, sitting in his lazy boy. Not trying to be stereotypical. I like my lazy boy. And all the grandkids huddled around and saying, Grandpa Joe, Grandpa Joe. Tell us that story of when the, when the angel showed up and what it would be like for Joseph to say long after that day, I'm so glad that I went with God. I'm, I'm so glad that I didn't cave to what the world said I should do. I'm so glad that I didn't look around me and say, what's the easy way out? What's the safe way out? What, what's everybody doing on social media? What's easy? I, I mean, it would be easier to not take my faith so seriously. Come on, Joseph, just loosen up a little bit. Divorce her. She's an adulteress. Come on, that's what everybody else is saying. And for Joseph to say to his grandkids, you can never go wrong when you trust God. You can never go wrong. Joseph had integrity. And for a follower of Jesus, integrity means that I'm going all in with God no matter what anybody says. Amen? No matter, if, if everybody else is going that way, I'm going this way. Because God has proven himself faithful to me over and over and over again. Sometimes I just wonder, in the middle and the transitions of all these biblical texts of the Christmas story, can you imagine the conversations between Mary and Joseph on that long ride to Bethlehem to be registered. And Mary is like really pregnant, riding on a donkey. Can you imagine the conversations that happened between the two of them? What are we doing with our lives? This is crazy. Sometimes I wonder that. The Chosen series does as good a job as I've ever seen, maybe capturing some of those moments between Mary and Joseph. Take a look. I love how normal they are. I love how ordinary they are. And yet at the same time, anything but ordinary. We love to put people up on a pedestal. And we become detached from the Christmas story. They had no idea what they were getting into. Parents, can I get an amen? amen. I'm sure there was plenty of fear and things to be worried about. And the last thing they maybe felt like was courageous. But be reminded of this this morning. That courage is not born in the absence of fear. Instead, it's precisely in the middle of it. And more than that, courage is not about having about all the answers. It's about trusting the one who does. 
Can I fully trust God even though I don't see the entire picture, Joseph? Even though I don't see the entire plan, Mary? I can take a step of courage today. In other words, we walk by faith and not by sight. What will your story of courage be this Christmas? Maybe it's where we started this morning, and the most courageous thing that you can do coming off of the service this morning is ask somebody for help. Maybe the most courageous thing that you can do is not, I'm going to go do something great for God. It's finding a good, trusted Christian friend or role model and say, I am anxious. I'm depressed. I'm grieving. I'm hurting. And I can't live the Christian life alone. That might be the most courageous thing that you do. For some of you, it might be going to somebody that has hurt you or offended you and asking for forgiveness. The Christmas season would be the perfect time to do that. To follow in the footsteps of a courageous carpenter. Maybe it's pursuing your spouse and reigniting the flame of your marriage. Maybe it's being fully emotionally present for your children, no matter what their age. Here's a bold move. (laughs) You want to make an impact on your kids this Christmas? Spend half as much money on them and spend twice as much time with them. There's a bold move, and I guarantee in 15, 20 years, they'll thank you for it. Or next year, they'll thank you for it. If faith is that important to you, don't just tell your kids about it. Live it out. What is your story of courage going to be? Maybe it's serving, as Pastor Brian was talking about at the beginning. I saw you all raise your hands, so we're expecting all those volunteers, right? That might be a courageous move for you. I've never been an usher. I've never been a greeter. I've never helped out in the parking. I've never helped out for a Christmas service. That might be a courageous move for you. Maybe it's simply inviting somebody to one of the Christmas Eve services. People's hearts are open this time of year. And if we exist for anything as a church, it's helping people experience the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. Amen? That's why we exist. Talk to some people. Oh, you know, I don't know if it's going to work this year, Pastor John. I don't know if we're going to make the services. We've got relatives. We've got family coming into town. You know, Bring them! Bring them to church. Say, this is what we do. He's the reason for the season. This is why we exist. This is the center of our lives. Dinner can wait. Presents can wait. Traditions and hobbies can wait. Get to church and worship Jesus because he's worthy. Bring your family. Invite somebody. Don't put it off another year. Don't put it off another year. I know it's going to be negative 15 degrees. I think our furnace works. Get here. Come to church. Keep him the center of the season. And I'll just end with this. I I don't know what was going through Joseph's mind, but I have to feel like somewhere in between making that decision and hearing that Mary's pregnant. As all of us do, maybe as we get toward the middle stages of our lives, we ask ourselves this question. What am I going to be remembered for? Especially this time of year, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we get a little nostalgic, don't we? What are things going to be like next year? Maybe Joseph is thinking, what am I going to be remembered for? Maybe you think about that too. For some of you, the way, for some of us, the way we live our lives is, well, I worked hard. I tried to be a pretty nice person. I, I, I had some hobbies. <laughs> I was a pretty nice person. I tried to do my best. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. It's just none of them are going to last. There is one thing that is going to last this Christmas season, and that is having a relationship 
with this baby in a manger who became a man who is our Savior and knowing Jesus Christ in a personal way. We can sing all day long, as we're going to hear in a second, about hope and peace and joy and love that we've talked about all Advent season. We can sing about it and pray about it all day long. The question at the end of the day is, do you want to know the one who is hope, the one who is peace, the one who is joy, the one who can love you like nobody else, who can fill that ache in your soul this Christmas season? You're just saying, it's just not there. There's this void. He can fill it. And it doesn't come by going through the motions of Christmas tradition. It comes by knowing the Prince of Peace, the one who is joy, who is hope, who is love, and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Have yourself a merry little courageous Christmas this year. Amen? Whether you're online or in the room, let's stand together and let's sing of this peace that we can know. Thanks so much for joining us. To find out more about Hope Elam, follow us on Instagram at hope.elam or visit our website at hope-elam.org.